This Knowledge at Wharton podcast was produced in conjunction with GE Capital. For more information, please visit gecapital.com slash Americas. We're meeting today to discuss how the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, is affecting small and mid-sized companies that are facing a lot of shifting rules and confusing information over implementation. So to help us gain some clarity about these topics, we're going to speak with Jeff Englander, who's a senior vice president and a senior research analyst at GE Capital, and also with Lawrence Gelbort, who's an instructor here at Wharton. And he's also on the Huffington Post's Small Business Board of Directors, as well as being an entrepreneur himself. So employers with fewer than 50 employees, they have very different obligations under the Affordable Care Act. Uh, And um, so let's start... uh, Jeff, with you, what are some of the special considerations for smaller employers as they consider whether or not to offer coverage? Because they, they do have more of a choice. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a couple of things. Is, is You want to look at the fact um, that you have to consider the number of employees. If you have less than 50 employees under the Affordable Care Act, you don't have to offer coverage. You want to look at the average annual wages per full-time employee, if the employee's average annual wages are between 100 to 400 percent of the federal poverty level, um, you want to consider, you know, what are the options in terms of your coverage versus what they may be eligible for on the exchange and any subsidies they may be eligible for. You want to look at the composition of your workforce uh, in terms of, of their age and, you know, other options they have. Um, look at the nature of the coverage you're considering. Um, and as I said, small employers um, may offer insurance, but they're not required to. And you want to look at some unique circumstances that you may have. Um, you know, if there are a large number of family members that are employed by the company, they're not counted in the number of employees, but they may be a factor in terms of whether you choose to offer insurance or uh, have your employees go to the exchange. Um, and you also want to look at um, you know, whether you, you have paternalistic concerns or as uh, as Steve has mentioned, uh, I'm sorry, as uh, Lawrence has mentioned, whether there may be other health and wellness goals that you're trying to accomplish, um, you know, through the offering of insurance. You can also see that sometimes, even though you may have fewer than 50 employees uh, and not have to pay for that insurance or make that insurance available, you often have issues in small companies with fewer than 50 employees where there may be historically uh, certain health uh, benefits that have um, been split among some of the senior management, but not necessarily for everyone in the company. And in fact, I've worked with partnerships and uh, small corporations where one of the major uh, issues when they're trying to dissolve is actually who pays for what insurance. And it can actually be, as we all know, a large percentage of the expenditures, particularly if you have people with um, you know uh, existing conditions. And once they lose that business insurance, they uh, historically have had a hard time getting reasonably priced insurance. So that also becomes an issue. And I would recommend to everyone that when if they're going into a partnership or a corporation, they should be considering some of these issues in the front end of what they want to do in case there's a dissolution. And presumably, if uh, the, those uh, cases you mentioned about uh, pre-existing conditions leading to these, these troubles, that should not be as difficult a hurdle. That's correct. Under, under the new that act. Is that, that, that particular thing. Okay. Lawrence, let me ask you also, uh, what are some of the subsidies and benefits that smaller employers may be entitled to under the Affordable Care Act? Well, it 
I'll let uh, Jeffrey answer that. How oh, about okay. That? Well, if if you look at the Affordable Care Act, uh, beginning in two thousand in two thousand ten, excuse me, uh, employers with twenty five or fewer full time equivalent employees, uh, and as I said earlier, this does not include business owners and their families in the ca- calculation. Uh, where the employees have average annual wages of $50,000 or less per full-time employee, and where the employer pays at least 50% of the employee premium, qualify for a tax credit. Now, for this year, that tax credit will be 35% of the employer's contributions for employees' premiums, and that's for for-profit employers. It's different for non-profit employers. Uh, in 2014, that will go up to 50% of the tax of the um, premiums and once again that's different uh, for nonprofit employees that will be phased out not to get in the weeds too much here but if you were one of those smaller employers and you were paying you know 50 or 60 percent of of your employees premiums wouldn't you have already been getting a deduction and 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 now it's being reduced to 35 percent in other words is it is it more expensive for you now no, you're you're getting a, a, a tax credit, a as credit, opposed to a deduction. Oh, I see. Right, of course. Right, so that's that's a big difference. Right. So, what if you are a small employer who chooses to get insurance as an individual on the exchange or the marketplace? How will the subsidies and tax credits on the exchanges work? Uh, now, you would only be able to do that, or the the case that that would come into play is, for example, if you're a self-employed. Um, business owner and your income was between 100 and 400 percent of the federal poverty level, uh, and for 2014 those levels would be say 11,500 roughly to 46,000 for an individual, and roughly 23,500 to 94,000 for a family. Um, if that's the case you would be eligible for certain subsidies based on your income as a percentage of the federal poverty level. And what they would do is cap the premiums that you would pay for that insurance as a percentage of income. For example, at 133% of the federal poverty level, uh, the premium would be no more than 3% of your income. And what you would do then is the cost of the plan uh, would be capped. So the subsidy that you would pay uh, or that you would get, rather, would be the difference between what's called the lowest cost plan, which is the silver plan, and that capped amount. And just to clarify, the, the plans on exchanges uh, go what they, what they call so-called metal tiers. They go bronze, silver, gold, and platinum, with the bronze being the least expensive and the platinum being the most expensive. And the subsidies are based on the second lowest cost plan, which is the silver plan. Let's take the example of someone who is 130 percent of the poverty level, that is their income is 130 uh, percent. First of all, how much is that? And second of all, what does it mean for the employee? What will they be paying? You said about 3 percent. And then what would it mean for the employer? Well, in this case, if, the, if they're um, getting the insurance on the exchange because they're uh, eligible for subsidies because their income is at a certain level, a federal poverty level, uh, the employer wouldn't be involved. They'd be getting this um, you know, through the exchange. Um, but what you could do is, for example, say their income was, was roughly 130% of the federal poverty level. That would be slightly under $15,000. Okay. Uh, the net cap on the premium would be about 3% of their income, and the net premium would be roughly $450. The subsidized cost of the insurance, then, would be 
uh, I'm sorry, the unsubsidized cost of the insurance would be the difference between that cap and the cost of, of the plan. And that's roughly going to be about, say, you know, $5,600 or so on the exchange. Mm-hmm. So their premium subsidy would roughly be about $5,200. I see. And they would be paying, they would actually be paying their premium would be? Well, the, the, the amount of the premium to the consumer would be about $446 for the year. I see. Okay. So that sounds affordable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, very good. So I, I think uh, as a last question, uh, maybe we'll start with you, Lawrence, and then ask Jeff the same thing. Uh, there's a lot of information sources out there. There's a lot of good ones. Um, and I think uh, that you probably both advocate that people access them. So, Lawrence, why don't you tell us about some of your favorite ones and, and why they're important and what they can do uh, for employers as they prepare over the next year or so? Terrific. So, um, as I uh, always tell my clients, get on and uh, use the search engine as the first line of uh, information. So rather than run and hire an accountant and go to an attorney and do all these things right off the bat, what you really want to do is get online, and it can be as simple as going to a search engine and just type in ACA for small business. And I've actually uh, come across some really great information on the Small Business Administration, sba.gov. They have webinars uh, where they can go into some of the detail that we don't have time to go through all of it here. Uh, There's also uh, really good information on the uh, irs.gov page when you're trying to figure out what is a full-time employee, what's a variable, and all of these issues. Also, uh, for entrepreneurs and small companies, the Ewing Kaufman website uh, is very, very is full of great information about healthcare and other uh, relevant topics. Ewing and is E W I N G. That's correct. Ewing Kaufman, as it's usually spelled. That's correct. Okay, and that's .org. Uh-huh. And uh, there's a couple of others actually. Uh, Jeffrey had brought up one. Uh, maybe he can talk about that. I also uh, know that the Kaiser Foundation has some great information. Uh, Jeff, I'm sure you have a couple of others. Yeah, I would definitely second uh, that on the Kaiser Family Foundation. Um, also, uh, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation has an excellent what's called Navigator Resource Guide, uh, and I believe the, the proper title is Navigator Resource Guide on Private Health Insurance, but I think if you just type in Navigator Resource Guide into a search engine, you'll get that. Uh, in addition, there's um, the Society for Human Resource Management has a healthcare reform resource page, which is a great uh, resource for businesses looking to follow what's going on. Uh, actually, the U.S. Department of Labor has an Employee Benefits Security Administration page. Um, they have a look under uh, the ACA Implementation Frequently Asked Questions section. And uh, last but not least, there's the Employee Benefits Research Institute, uh, EBRI, um, and they also have an excellent section. And those are all good resources um, for people who are time-constrained uh, to follow what's going on with the law and what they need to know. All right. Well, thanks very much, gentlemen. Appreciate it very much. It's very enlightening. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.